This is Robert Fleming, a partner in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC, talking about estate planning, particularly for blended families, for people who are anxious, couples who are anxious about, uh, about what happens on the death of the first spouse. With me is my partner, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. Elizabeth, is that a question that you hear very often among clients? It's a question that I hear pretty frequently from couples, and sometimes they're longtime partners, not married. Other times they're couples that have been married quite some time. One thing that I try and pause when I start the discussion with folks about these questions is I pause to ask them what their rationale is when they come in and start to do estate planning. Are there goals that they want to segregate assets upon the death of the first spouse because they each are getting married with separate children and families coming into the relationship? Or perhaps is it concerns that upon the death of one spouse, the other spouse is gonna have a hard time managing money? Depending on the answers to those questions, that often helps guide our conversation to get to some goals and solutions. It's kind of easy to see how the question could come up in a second marriage situation where there are children, maybe both spouses have children from prior relationships, uh, maybe one of them has children, maybe they have children together, maybe they don't. All of those variations, it's kind of easy to see. Do you ever get this question among couples who have been married to the same spouse for 40 years and they have three children who are common children, there are no children uh, that are not children of both of theirs? Do they still sometimes worry about these questions? Absolutely, and I see the question come up when one spouse has been the primary bill payer, uh, the primary point of contact when it comes to preparing, preparing documents for annual taxes, things like that. So when one spouse has taken the helm and has been responsible for decades for money management, the question does surface. What happens if I die first? I'm concerned that my husband may have a challenge maintaining and managing the assets. Oh yeah, and I'm also concerned about the lover that he's going to meet down in Mexico. And I will say that that question, that last question you raised about the, the unknown future partner uh, seems to come up pretty often among couples who have had the experience somewhere in their family. I, I hear again and again, yeah, I just want to protect against what happened to my dad when that woman showed up and married him and ended up, uh, all of the money ended up going to her kids or all of his kids if it's a, if it's a husband who showed up. Um, and I, I don't see it as very often as sex-linked. It happens both with men and women, and the story that they tell is both about their mother or their father or their uncle or their aunt. Uh, so they've had some experience with it, and we've had experience with it, haven't, haven't we? No doubt about it, it does happen. It, do, it does happen, but I think that the planning portion of this, talking about your goals and who may help manage funds upon the death of the first spouse, often helps bring the conversation up into um, more of a neutral ground. I think a question that I often ask as well is, are we talking about one specific asset? Are we talking about your family's second home in Montana that was gifted to you by your grandfather? Or are we talking about your joint brokerage account? When it comes to discussing how to make a plan irrevocable upon the death of the first spouse, I think it's really important to discuss whether or not we're looking at one specific asset or all of the assets. The other thing that I would pause and say about this is 
the conversation is so important. The conversation when we're sitting down, we're meeting with couples, there's a joint representation agreement in place. So our conversation is open and transparent among the three of us. That conversation helps illuminate the solutions that we can bring in the family. So what are the solutions? I know one choice would be uh, Arizona recognizes contracts not to make a new will or contracts to make a will that has particular provisions. We could write a contract for the couple to sign that, uh, that precludes them, at least in theory, from changing their will after one of them dies. Is that enough? Is that a good way to address the problem? So I would say that probably wouldn't be my first approach. My first approach would be talking about who is going to be responsible for managing the assets in the estate upon the death of the first spouse. Is this a scenario where if we were to introduce a co-trustee or for instance, transition to a new trustee, that there might be a little bit more comfort from the spouse uh, who's concerned that there will be a plan for money management in place. Oftentimes with that neutral party or a son or daughter helping out, it alleviates the stress and worry that the surviving spouse is not gonna be able to manage the funds. One of the things that I see again and again in those initial conversations is that one or the other of the spouses, and sometimes both spouses, have it very clear in their heads that they want to have some mechanism where, whereby the, the surviving spouse can't make changes, but they haven't really thought about what that mechanism looks like at all, about who would be in charge of making the, the, the management decisions about the money, about who would be protecting the, the possibility of a change. And when you start talking to them about, well, that just means that your oldest daughter is going to be co-trustee with you, and it's going to be an irrevocable trust, there are going to be some restrictions on your access to the money. Uh, they get a horrified deer-in-the-headlights look in their eyes, and uh, that wasn't what they imagined at all. They imagined there was some magic bullet, and there's not. You know what? This is a pretty deep uh, topic, and I think I want to hold off for another session on um, the kinds of things that we can do to try to tie up the funds if we've gotten past the initial question in a way that, uh, that the surviving spouse can't leave them to, uh, to, the, to the new spouse after the death of the first spouse. Uh, and then we're actually gonna have to have yet another conversation in a separate session about the ways in which trusts can be changed after the death of one spouse and, and, uh, and the trust becomes irrevocable. Um, because the reality is there are a lot of ways to change trusts, even irrevocable trusts today. So let's hold those thoughts for a later conversation. In the meantime, Robert Fleming and Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman talking to you from the law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC, a Tucson, Arizona elder law and estate planning firm. Uh, we thank you for joining us and we hope you'll join us again for those follow-on conversations. Talk to you then.